being able to step away from that mindset where I need to con control everything and all the stresses are mine to carry. And then I'm actually just like, you know what, this is the universe. It's crazy. It's chaos. And let's just roll with it. It definitely helped me to move through major challenges from a work perspective and kind of just separate myself from the pressure that that adds. Oh my gosh, but did I just have such a interesting and in-depth conversation with fellow business owner Nicola from Simply Granola. The two of us have been in contact over the past couple of years, mainly just over social media and through our different businesses. But this was the first time I got to really know her and she is so honest and open and there's so many nuggets of wisdom, but also areas of her life that I know not only myself can relate to, but you'll also enjoy. So here it is Nicola sharing how she got to creating this incredibly successful brand, where she came from, where it's going, and some really interesting um, bits in between. I hope you enjoy the episode. So before we get into today's episode, should you be a business owner juggling multiple roles and hungry to grow your dream business, but you're lacking the time and support? Trust me, we've all been there. Then... This is a little reminder to head on over to thestream.ca.za for your free resources and to find out more about our exclusive membership that launches once a year. I think we should just get straight into it. I feel like I know you really well, just obviously because of social media and, and the engagements that we've had over the years through both like the businesses but at the same time when I was prepping for today to chat to you I've got so many questions because I've, I've got like no idea where you grew up where you went to school what you studied or simply granola started so I think it will be a good to yeah for you to start with a bit of your background your upbringing and and all of that um so we grew up in the garden route in George I've got three sisters one of which is my twin sister um, and after school, went to Stelly's and then never left. I started working at um, Capitec Bank as a business analyst. So I did SEMA, uh, so I'm actually a chartered management accountant by trade. Um, and it was while I was at Capitec, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up with a mom my dad's a dental technician and um, my mom was always at home with us in the afternoons. And that's something that really stuck with me and I held quite dear to my heart, um, you know, growing up and having a mom that's available to us all the time. At the time, though, I thought it's presence that is the thing that I wanted when I start a family. Um, so when I was at Capitec, my career was doing really well and there was restructuring. Um, so... I advanced quite quickly, but I was working under a woman who's phenomenal. Um, but I saw the, I guess the toll it took on a, on herself as a woman and as a mom and as a wife. And as much as I admire her, um, I just thought to myself, I don't, I don't know if this is the life that I want for me as a, a future mom. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job in the middle of everything and I became a PA to a girl who was running a digital publication and I think Dries probably thought I was mad at the time you know to give up my career and to give up a very secure and a nice salary um yeah but okay anyway so fast track um 
was a PA and it was the best, it was sort of the best years in a way. Um, I think because I was, was older, you know, um, I'm also a millennial, but the typical millennial is quite defined by titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like I was playing, you know, I came from a corporate environment. I had a very definite skill set. I was very, very comfortable with who I am as a person and my heart is serving. So it's a perfect fit, you know, for me and my personality. And I learned a lot around the digital space as well, you know, invaluable knowledge. I didn't really know I would need and use so much. But then when I became a mom, I realized being present with my child is really not good for me. So it was not so much being able to put myself in a situation where I'm able to be present with my son all the time, but I realized that it more translates to being available when I want to be. You know, the luxury of time, the luxury of being able to get up and go, the luxury of being able to take a day off or to stop your day in the middle of everything when your child needs you. Um, And it was quite a conflicting time because, you know, Chris would say to me, but you're working harder than ever. And any entrepreneur will tell you that, you know, you never stop working. Um, And I'm, I'm less at home than I used to be. And it was quite a definitive time for me to realize that being present is not what I seek, but being available um, and the quality of life that availability and freedom brings was more that I was looking for. And that's kind of also the drive behind Simply Granola up to today. And I mean, we'll get into that a little bit later. But anyway, so was a PA and then I always used to make a version of what we have today. We call it the classic. Um, I used to make that for my family and then I just changed it to be free of refined sugars and I adapted the recipe a bit, but that's a recipe I grew up with as a child. I've got such fond memories waking up in the whole house which just smell like granola. Um, and then I started making that and somebody at work was asking me, oh, what's this? And I just, Man, just pop, give it. It's like the bologna in my house. Um, and I started making, selling it to friends and then somebody asked for a different flavor. So I did that. And then I met Marie's from She Is Visual and I thought, oh, it might be cool not to sell it in like cellophane packets and to do an actual branding exercise. Um, so we did the branding exercise and it was almost organically over the course of a year, you know, that we developed the brand and it was kind of fitting it in between everything. And then one day she just did a post about the branding exercise and I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's it. And that's how we started. That was like the November or something of 2016. And then the next January or so, um, Poetry Stores saw the brand and um, they did a nationwide placement. And I think it was from there that the brand got quite a lot of traction and recognition. Um, yeah, so I, and I was still baking out of my kitchen. And, and I know my mom asked me, oh, Cookie, my hoogenheerde doen. It's like such a big order. I was like, I don't know, mother. I'm just going to start baking and then I'll see how long it takes and we eventually will get there. And that's kind of what we did. So I did Simply Granola part-time for about a year um, until it became just physically too much for the house. Um, and then I started baking alongside Squin. So they were also much smaller then. Uh, so their ovens would be baking pastries all night overnight. And then five o'clock or so, the ovens were empty. So I was utilizing the oven downtime. Um, and then I baked with them for a long time. And it was also great to experience a bigger facility and how the setup works and that kind of thing. Um, and then I felt pregnant and then they didn't have, um, so I had to lug all 
the ingredients there. So now you're baking like, let's say, 150 kgs or something. It wasn't a lot at that time, but now you'd lug 150 kgs there, bake it all, put it into buckets, lug it all back home. And with a stomach like this, because I was a beached whale, um, I just couldn't physically do it anymore. And that was actually quite cool because then we started doing outsourced manufacturing. And to date, we still do the majority of our stuff through outsourced manufacturers. So my team is really tight and small. Um, yeah. Anyway, so moved to Square and started outsourcing. And I don't know, it's six years later. Six years. Wow. And it's so interesting to hear the contrast of your life from where you've come from. Um, into I just always assumed you had sort of a foodie background. Um, so it's quite interesting. No. To- <laughs> I can't like, like, honestly, I can't even bake a rusk. They come out as these, I don't know, clater. Um, <laughs> so I like, it's the easiest thing in the world to make. Ming mur baks. Like, <laughs> Well, you do those very well. (laughs) 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 That you've got a successful business from it. Okay, so there's obviously been a hell of a lot of sacrifices that have gotten you to where you are. And along the journey, it sounds like you've also done a lot of self-discovery and knowing what feeds you and what's best for your family and for your son. And with that said, like, like you also said, the contrast of you want to work for yourself for that flexibility and being available. But at the same time, when you start off, you are working harder than ever before. I suppose most of the time because of this passion because you're working yeah. for yourself. Um, how do you find you balance that now? Like how do you find you make that time for being available? So um I think, so I was working from home and then also a very long story short, but Squin discontinued the production and that forced me into a studio. Um, So I've got a studio about five minutes from home and Jack's school is like one minute from there. So I think just physically, you know, that structure to be able to close the door and and go home um, definitely helped. But also, you know, with my with my personal changes in my life the last year, I've just realized that I always say that time is honestly the one thing you can give that um, is invaluable. So there's a couple of things, I guess, but we do a four-day work week, um, have four years, I think even before it became like a popular phenomenon. Um, and I honestly believe that we are fast and efficient. Like my girls that work for me, they know there's no tea breaks. There's no lunch breaks. We work till the job is done. And then, okay, you can have lunch. It must not be quoted on this. Um, but we work till the job is done. When the sun shines and we don't want to work, we go to the beach. Um, and if there's no work, we close the shop and we go home and we rest. So we're very attentive to our environment and also um not being forced by society to work because everybody's doing eight to five. Um, and that's something I buy into very hard. So I think from a work side, you know, we focus a lot on taking breaks and just following the seasons of the business. When it's flipping hectic, we work flipping hard. When it's not, we take a break. Um, and then when it comes to my time with Jack, um, I have a very hard and fast rule not to multitask when I'm with him. And that was quite a hard habit to break. You know, you're always kind of here with a phone. Okay, yo, 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 sure, sure, have a cookie, whatever. Um, and I can see a phenomenal change in him, you know, since I started doing that. And he responds so well to undivided time, like any child would. 
Um, that does mean I work maybe late at night, but I also know that I had a three, four hour gap in the middle of my day where I spent dedicated time with my son. And that then feeds me and preps me for what I maybe need to do tonight. And working like this works for me. Um, and it allows me to be present and it allows me to get stuff done. Um, I think it's just the pockets that wherever you are to be present, to do it, to get it done, and then to make sure you've got a solid gap for for home time and me time. Yeah. Seems like I love the the way you, you say it about like moving and adjusting with seasons um, and, and being able to, to rest and recoup and then hoy and have that drive because um, I know it can, that was actually what I wanted to talk to you about as well is if that, if you've ever, have you always had that balanced approach? Um, I know you say you were pretty confident in knowing who you are. Have you had that from a young age or have there been times that your drive sort of took over and you reached a point of burnout or not coping? Yeah, definitely. I think there's um, not necessarily the burnout side, but when I was at Capitech, um, yes, I worked my butt off. You know, it was every, we had this, flow in the credit team and we um I used to work probably till two three four every morning for a long time and I was just married at the time and I actually realized you know I'm I'm not a great person never mind a great wife I only had enough capacity to keep me going you know mm -hmm. um and I realized and that's also ultimately what was one of the major drivers of, from to leave corporate corporate because I didn't like who I was I was always stressed always short always irritable um and that's not me i think as a person you know my true my true nature so i think that was maybe a shift although the level of consciousness i feel i have today wasn't maybe present at the time um at capitec it only became i think in my 30s where i had a increased awareness and it's funny you know you've got these you've got these thoughts and i i always knew that i'm not a like follow the clear path kind of girl and my mom always said she knew that I would be different but it's like I I actually got a language um in my 30s for for what I'm feeling and to truly express and understand who I am as a person but in terms of um burnout definitely like last year mm -hmm. so 20 that was 22 21 21, we launched the high-protein granola, and it really... So COVID was the best thing that ever happened to Simply Granola. I mean, it sounds terrible, but it was. Everybody was sitting at home. They've always wanted to buy a premium product, but it's maybe a little bit too expensive. So we did like about four months' worth of trade in the first weekend. We said that we opened for trade during lockdown level five, um, and our business just quadrupled you know overnight and then wow. the next year we launched the high protein granola which was unparalleled in the markets and I think it still is and we were working it was insane like it was literally insane and I had a girl that worked with me Jana um, and then 22 she quit so from a personal point of view you know I went from working five days a week eight to five or not five days four days a week eight to five and then my personal circumstances changed and I started spending a lot of time at home. Um, so I was working probably about a third of the time that I used to work. Jana quit. Um, I didn't have my right-hand woman. And in between all of that, we finally uh, felt the effect of COVID. So we were down like, and we still are down 50% in trade. 
Um, it's almost like it took two years for, for the financial effect of COVID to reach us. And I remember at the end of last year, you know, you kind of just keep keep going, keep going. And you like, don't think about it. Don't stop. Because if you stop, it's definitely going to like fall apart. And we closed our offices um, in December. And I was supposed to go to George, to my family for family holiday. And I, I just woke up that morning and I was supposed to pack and leave with Jack. And I just realized that I actually cannot physically do this. Um, I don't even have the energy to pack, let alone manage a child for five hours on the road. And I phoned Dries and I said, he must just please come take Jack. And I think I locked myself in Jack's room with the block out. And um, yeah, I just took a sleeping pill and I think I slept about for two days on and off. And I just realized that I'm not okay. Um, and I phoned my dad and I said, I am coming on holiday, but I don't know when because I don't know I just, you know, I just don't know. And I think I was actually, you know, definitely, definitely depressed. I, I think suicidal is a very strong term to use, but I've mm -hmm. got an amazing friend that's a psychologist. And I said to her, I've got a very high level of awareness. And I, I'm realizing that there's repeating patterns of behavior that's coming out. Um, and I thought that, you know, if I changed certain things, I would feel differently. But yet I've changed things and I still feel the same. And all I want to do is take my car, drive into the back of a truck and just cancel myself, you know, for a month. I don't want to yeah. die. I love my son. I, lo I love my life. Mm -hmm. But I can't fucking do this. You know, I just want to get out. Um, and she explained to me actually in such a beautiful way, like how it's your your subconscious self that's looking out for yourself, you know, and the ultimate sacrifice for your subconscious is to cancel yourself, to give you the space and the, yeah, just the gap, you know, that, that you actually, you actually need. So went on holiday. I think it was also tough for my parents to, to see me like that, you know, despondent and not really, yeah, I think connecting with my family and needing a lot of alone time. Um, so my dad, he's the sweetest guy ever. He's like, I made you an appointment with our doctor. So um, at the end of last year, I went onto an antidepressant, which definitely helped straight off the bat. But I would like to start weaning off that um, next month. Um, so so that definitely helped. And I also realized, even though there is a good balance in times in terms of the time I spend at work and the time I spend with Jack, I probably need to spend time more with me um, mm -hmm. and just, you know, solid gaps of time. So now I will watch TV in the morning and have a slow morning, you know, because that's the kind of luxuries you don't get as a mom, you know, just time to, to do nothing. Um, and I started, I wouldn't say microdosing. I feel that's a lie. I don't like a bubble us and now I just smoke weed. Um, <laughs> two puffs, six puffs, eight puffs, whatever. But it, um, it helps me so much, you know, more than sleeping pills, more than uh, an anxiety medication. And that's also why I think I can maybe to a degree, uh, wean off that antidepressants, but allowing myself to relax at night and to fully just, okay, and go to bed. It also helps me to see I think see life from from a distance almost, you know, and to have non, I know what's the word in English, this sonar in a bisis, you know, um, to think and dream and yeah. So anyway, weed, 
and chilling. It's so interesting how that does that, eh? Like, and how it can just certain things, whether it's microdosing or whatever your sort of formula is, how we just seek this taking the edge off, especially when you're running your own business, running a household. And it's like a blessing to have this driving force and this mind, the monkey mind that can operate on another level, but at the same time, it can be such a curse. Um, but what it sounds like, which is amazing that you have got is, is the self-awareness that you can constantly check in with yourself, um, reevaluate things, change things up, move co- according to seasons. Um, and I'm interested to know where that self-awareness comes from. I think I also, if I look back in my twenties, I didn't really have it. It definitely came in my thirties. I went through massive change and shifts and trauma, 29 and that age from 29 to 30 so much had changed um always inquisitive to find out other people's story and and where their personal self-awareness um sort of came from or, or that shift happened i think um i think it must have been there but you know the landscape with social media has changed so much i feel especially over the last let's say five years you know, topics are being discussed that was never discussed before. And the v- availability of information is so much more than it was maybe in our 20s because we're about the same age, right? Yeah. Yeah. 88, baby. Well, I think that has also been a big enabler, you know, to, like I said previously, to find a language and a narrative that actually expresses what you're feeling. And in that, I think we're quite privileged. And it's funny to think that just one generation back, that wasn't there. And it's such a short but such a long time. Um, And in addition to that, I also have a small group of friends, but phenomenal friends. Some of them are moms, some are not. And it's always amazing to me when we get together that it's it's such an elevated conversation. We don't do the Tupperware talk and the nappy talk. Like, it's boring. It's boring for us as well. And it's not like that for all moms, you know. They all work for themselves, coincidentally. Um, They have major drive, major passion, um, and I think they challenge me to Mm. be even more self-aware, and they are all very aware women um, that challenge themselves and strive towards, I guess, a life that really is designed to fit, you know, their hearts for their lives, Um, and that's a privilege, a major privilege. I don't think everybody everybody has that, Mm. yeah. That's massive. I feel I'm in a, a very much a similar situation. And especially with the age that we are, I've gone through phases of having people in my life that, you know, I, you so-called would classify them as toxic or not so good for you. And and um, I've also got exactly that. And it's been a game changer. In fact, when I was doing my stint and living in Thunderbell Park, um, far away from that support group of women, we had amazing friends there, but it's just that click of, support friends who are like like you say almost challenge you but at the same time help you when you need healing help empower you um and they all i think that is it they're all quite self-aware and wanting to be better people and that influence and that support it's so yeah, yeah it's so valuable definitely miss it while i'm sitting for chips um, <laughs> i have to find find them uh why that's what every single person that i've met here asks, asks us um 
We are here because of my husband's work. Um, so he works for in the liquor industry and he's climbing that corporate ladder high, which I'm out of a supportive of. Someone, someone's got to do it. Um, he's got a good business though. It's quite an, in, I, we often analyze our, our differences in all our lives and we're both quite like health conscious and wanting self improvement and growth and whatnot. And, um, and in, uh, implementing healthier habits. And then it's such a contrast to his working environment, um, which is alcohol and yeah, just totally different. But we, we've moved because of, he got a really amazing, um, uh, what do you call it? Position. Um, and the previous time when we were in Funabal, that was also, um, <laughs> because uh, I, I'm actually going to be recording an episode on sacrifices you make for your partner's careers because it's quite a, it's quite an interesting one. But it's I'm so happy with the move, and it's not like I did it um, not wanting to 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 be here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of and, and and when you were talking just about your upbringing coming from George to sort of Stellenbosch, where I often now reflect on my whole upbringing was in Cape Town, CBD, like the foot of Table Mountain. Now being in a more calmer environment, like like a door be like porch, it's amazing what a, a good thing and can be a bad thing, what time can do. And I suddenly realized how pressurized we are living in the city and even surrounding areas. Um I really notice now I don't have that friction and pressure that I had living my whole life in the city um, and how it's benefiting my the stage of life where I'm at. For now, for now. <laughs> <laughs> Want to move back to Cape Town, babe? Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, interestingly enough, like I'm, I'm warmed up to the fact of when we move back, I'm very open to a Stellenbosch or a Paul and living on the outskirts of the city. I've realised. You know, when you you get older, you just see, uh, yeah, you just change the sort of lifestyle you're wanting and what you're craving. And I definitely think I flourish more in a slower state around me because of my inner drive. Like I even yeah. talking about um, weed and, and stimulants, I'm like also analyzing where I'm at with with caffeine and trying to take some breaks with coffee. And I went through a stage. Yeah, I know, I know, I know you haven't. <laughs> I am too. I am too. But it's interesting to see, like, when I took a break from it, I honestly, like, with no um, professional um, health, like, advisory been given to me, I realized a depression that I went through and how coffee, a cup of coffee can give me this, like obviously it's a stimulant, but this kicker and totally changed my mood that I was telling Rocco. I was like, I think like this whole two weeks that I've hit such a low, like I actually need coffee for my mood. And I know that's not a healthy position to always be in, to be reliant, of course, on a, on a stimulant, but um, yeah. it's definitely got its place. Um, like weed and I just do not do well. But I, I think it's, it was the phases of my life. It wasn't called microdosing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I find other, other sort of areas or things that help. <laughs> I've never experimented with any, any type of drug. Um, I think also I know I've got a, a fairly 
potentially addictive personality. Um, So I was always very wary of it. But I think because of where I was, you know, emotionally, um, yeah, it it worked. Yeah, can't it's, experience for me. <laughs> no, it's interesting these things. I mean, I've got a, a group of moms who microdose in um, you know medicinal mushrooms, and just saying how it's taken that um, what do you call it intrusive thoughts that moms often get, everyone mm-hmm. gets, especially moms, and that fear-based anxiety that you get as a mom as a mom. Um, how microdosing has really helped them. So it's really, it's fascinating. I think, yeah, there's so many things as we go through different seasons to test out to improve our lives. <laughs> um, and tell me such a, yeah, la- was it last year that you got the pick and pay um, deal, right? But they, uh, yeah. Okay. And that's huge. Obviously something like that, does it completely change the trajectory of your business? Um did you feel at the time it was also super stressful and a lot more pressure? Definitely. So I think um, it's maybe important to note at this point that about two, three years ago, maybe more now, three, four years, you know, I went through a phase um, with a business where we were trying to reach or attempting to reach the retail shelf. And it's, again, such a, a common assumption that when you, especially food, when you bake food, it must be on a spa shelf or a pick and bake shelf or a checker shelf. And I like looked at this business and I was like, no, man, this doesn't make any sense. So with my SEMA background, one big area is costing. So I'm extremely good at breaking down the costing. And I mean, I looked at the margins and I was like, why am I doing double the work for half the profit? This is just nonsensical. So we changed the business model to completely stop chasing the retail shelf. We do service it if somebody wants to put it on their shelf, but that's as and when they reach us. And we completely went B2C via the online store and we started investing in online marketing um, that I've only done like I think year five or so of the business. I never used to do any paid advertising before that. It was all organic. Um, So when Pick and Pay they phoned us and I was like, I was sitting, I was sitting at my desk in the afternoon and this chick phoned me and she's talking, talking, talking. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. And they say they want to reposition like the three granola lines within the pick and pay brand. And would we be interested? And it's such a long conversation. And Yana is sitting opposite me and she's like, what's going on? And then this chick put the phone down and I was like, okay, cool. And then I realized I don't have a name. I don't have a number. I don't have an email address. Maybe this was like not even real. So I'm going to be phoning pick and pay at office and be like, hi, somebody phoned me. Um, you know, so I sat at my desk for like three hours waiting for this Musa email to come in. And I was like, okay, cool. And obviously being, I think the personality type that I have not to back away from a challenge. And it was different because we're not putting own brand on the shelf you know it's it's white label production and we got to do the development of the flavors which is really up my alley i think just because i love food i can i can figure out flavors um so it was a massive shift um i mean just the the learning curve to be able to produce and distribute and the the semantics i want to say about a deal of this nature was massive 
Um, but it's kind of like eating the elephant bit by bit. And it was very nice to to learn so much about production at a different scale and how things work on that side. It's amazing how in our careers, especially how quickly, if you have to reflect back of when you started working up until reaching this point of 35, it it's it's so fascinating when you go through 16, when you go through the phases of drive, drive, drive. It's almost like that the the stories that they tell of how you like work yourself stupid and then you suddenly wake up and you reach an age of retirement and you go back to the slow living. So it's, I find a lot of the times, and that's where the, the self-awareness and having time for yourself is so important to reflect, to make those, I suppose, make those changes earlier on so that you don't wake up after 10, day, uh, 10 years and go, gosh, like, why did I, why did I do that to myself? I wasted my you know, my youth or whatever it may be. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's interesting when a business unfolds in that manner. I also feel like I'm more in a calmer space of wanting um, wanting a bit of more of a slow life. Like how do you, it sounds like your life is very similar to stages that I've gone through with work where it's just like go, go, go. Um, and it's both at times if I reflect on those periods, it's also addictive but exhausting at the same time it's like you know you're self-sabotaging but it feels so good because you're getting so much fulfillment out of it how do you how do you implement more things at home or what do you do aside from or adding to watching tv in the mornings and having that time for yourself what else do you do that you feel are healthy habits that have been helping you to um sort of be a bit calmer amongst the chaos energy drive beyond chaos interestingly enough and i mean i i often see on social media like you've got very no this sounds negative i don't mean it like that but like quite rules or habits you know like no phone in the bedroom and no phone after that but funnily enough again maybe it's just a personality thing um having strict rhythms let's call it rhythms not rules actually just fill me with more anxiety you know and it if I don't meet them it makes me feel like a failure and then it adds more pressure to be able to have this perfect habit that I follow all the time but I think um, there's small things that I consistently do without the added pressure of doing it x number of times or every day or whatever um, I'll circle back to in terms of work because the mindset shift there was massive for me but at home um, obviously exercise, I know what it does to me and my mind and my body and my brain. And I honestly don't understand people that don't exercise. It must be a phenomenal thing to be able to be comfortable with that. Um, and I mean, I'm not like the best runner or the best cycler, but I am addicted to fresh air. And I know that if I don't do it, it's going to hit a point, you know, where, okay, I must just go train. So training to me is um, extremely important and I try and fit in as much as I can, where I can. Um, and then, and it's not silly, but I've got a, uh, I'm very sensory sensitive. So um, I will always, when I either get up in the morning or come home at night, I will light all my candles and make the whole house smell nice. And then it definitely calms and centers me. So I'm very sensitive, not sensitive, but smell really impacts like how I feel and it changes my mood. And yeah, I think those two and then alongside that again at home is um, prioritizing healthy meals that I enjoy creating because I do love cooking 
um, and we always meal prep on a Sunday, at least for two or three days ahead, just lunches, because you know how it goes. If you've got nothing ready, then you either end up eating crap or nothing at all. Um, and I, I know that my energy levels will drop and I sleep on my couch at work, which I do very, very often, um, yeah. daily, usually. Um, so yeah, making sure that I remember and take the time to prioritize proper nutrition um, that I actually enjoy doing, which is also like kind of a downtime. But um, I think from a work perspective, and maybe it was part of the, the pick and pay thing, um, you know, I always used to tell the girls before, that the team that I worked with after Capitec that work is work is work. You know, whether it's doing admin or doing a errand run or doing your ac actual work, work is work. Um, and it's never going to go away. And I realized with Pick and Pay that there is a bajillion factors that I honestly just can't control. And stressing mm -hmm. about it is not going to help me at all. So I don't know actually how, but this last year, I've just stopped stressing about shit. You know, if the pallets are late, whatever, I don't care. It's not like I can drive up and fix it. If my production team is late, I'm like, okay, you suck, but cool, it's late. And if the packaging is going to take six weeks, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and it's been a liberating space, you know, to move from a very controlling nature to just be like, hey, free willy, whatever. Um, yeah. Because there's so many uncontrollables and it's a, it's an active mindset I have to practice all the time. And then sometimes I ask myself, am I just being very blasé or way too casual about this or am I just saving my sanity? I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, I think being able to step away from that mindset where I need to con control everything and all the stresses are mine to carry and then I'm actually just like you know what this is the universe it's crazy it's chaos and let's just roll with it it definitely helped me to move through major challenges from a work perspective and kind of just separate myself from the pressure that that adds and do you find uh, I'm also by the way the candles you know it makes that that and calm music in the background it's, it's like a given in our house in the mornings and in the evenings it's such a mood changer and um, what I wanted to ask now was, do you tap into any specific resources when it comes to helping further along that self-development or upskilling or like going quite into your reading or podcasts or any sort of other resources that you regularly, I suppose, include in your routines? No, I'm so, I'm so terrible with that. It was, I actually felt a bit like ashamed when I read that question because I was like, damn, I should be doing more. But again, I should be doing more. I should be doing nothing, man. I should be doing absolutely bugger yeah. all. <laughs> but no, I think we're fortunate, again, with social media that, you know, you do get fed with a lot of snippets of wisdom and snippets of information and snippets of guidance. So there's definitely some accounts, you know, a lot of psychological accounts, a lot of, um, like gentle parenting, conscious parenting kind of thing. Um, and I prefer to consume um, information in that way, although mm -hmm. I feel like I'm really on Instagram enough to get as much from it. But I don't like to read um, nonfiction books because it feels like a job and I love to read and then I just want to like lie and read and relax. Um, and it's funny, but when Jack was born, I really struggled to put earphones in, you know, and not being able to hear him. 
Um, and that's something I still struggle with today to shut out and listen to a podcast. And I don't drive far enough anymore to listen mm. on the way. And at the office, it's a huge noise situation with the baking and production. So there, it's not like I have a corporate job where I can listen to, you know. Um, so no, I don't, I don't really, I do not. You, you saying that you should be doing it. Um, it's a, it's, it, there's so much time for the seasons of our life of, of being incorporating it. Like if I look now, I actually thought about it. Uh, I thought about it this morning on this long walk. I was thinking like in my twenties, if I, if anything was different, like if I didn't drink as much on social occasions on my twenties, what would I have been able to achieve? And then I quickly. I know, but then I quickly stopped that thought because I am so happy that my 20s were what they were and that we didn't have as much of this, especially in school, like social media pressure and pressure mm -hmm. to create your own brand at such a young age. Because, I mean, you know, Nix and I started Wellness in the City and we were 25 and it was fun and it was before there was such a thing as influences and now reflecting back on the stuff that we shared of our lives or just going to gym classes I'm now so much more private and I feel that that's so intrusive on your life and if you start building a brand at the age of 20 that's surrounded around you how do you know if that's something that you actually genuinely are always going to want or and then you stuck with the I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I often analyze it. And I'm like, I'm glad my 20s went the way it did and that my driving forces still come in my 30s. So who knows <laughs> with your habits what will come in your 40s or, you know, there's time yeah. for books and reading and, and new rituals. Yeah, definitely, but not now. <laughs> and also, you know what I need to listen to in the car on the way to school? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I can wrap the fucking alphabet from here till tomorrow. <laughs> See, I don't have that yet. So I'm getting my podcast consumption in now. <laughs> as selfish as I can. Um, yeah. And then would you would you say that you've reached success or is there a driving force or a goal that you still want to achieve? And would you ever consider selling, doing something else? Like have those things crossed your mind? Um. I definitely, okay, so I don't really have, you know, this very legit five, ten-year plan for the business. Um, I feel it's fun to make an, it an organic extension of my life. You know, Simply Granola was not something I created to serve um, a specific purpose in my life. It was a fun extension of me at the time, and I've always created with me i.e people like me my customers I, I always say if I want it my customers will want it so I think I, I have like short-term dreams in terms of what I'd like to do but they're notoriously bad with giving myself credit um, and feeling like okay this is a success but I've got my girlfriends I think to remind me of how far you know we've come and how far I've come and how much I've achieved so I do try to be a little bit more present in appreciating you know what we have uh, accomplished in terms of selling you know I want to actually circle back to what you said now about a personal brand and I often wonder about this you know was it a good thing to make a brand that is so personally tied to to who I am um, 
And, you know, when you go through seasons in your life and you don't feel like sharing, but your brand is you sharing, it's a shit show. Um, And somebody said to me, you know, I haven't seen you online in a year. And I'm like, yeah, because I really didn't feel like showing up online. Um, And it had a massive impact, I think, also on our sales. Like I gave myself a challenge in Feb, I think, to show up every day online. And we did three times the sales than we did the month before. But that is very taxing on you as a person, you know. Um, I don't know if anybody would want the brand. I don't want to sell the brand, I think. It allows me, yeah, it allows me to live a life that I'm appreciative of. Um, I don't know, Marissa, let's see what Exactly. And also, I suppose it is something like that. Um, Yeah, there's so many legs and there's always an angle to, um, yeah, to add more diversity to what you're doing or to change things up. And when you've built such a, I didn't actually think about it as you being so attached to the brand, like being like the face of, but yeah, I get what you're saying is it is, I, I find it so, especially when I go through periods of being so down, I'm like the last thing I feel like doing is being in front of the camera. But uh, yeah. I don't know how some people do it and some people just share so much that I'm like, are you, I, I've been there with wellness in the city. Like we had boundaries of what we shared, but I still, I've been there where you look back and you're youth and you're like, why did I share things? <laughs> like I even look at Facebook, I mean, gosh, when Facebook came out, I think we were 19 and we were hanging out at Shaq and Mercury drinking like, Branas and Coke and posting photos of us where we clearly looked intoxicated and not like today's 19-year-olds who look incredibly <laughs> hot. And I'm like, why did we share so much? So, yeah, that all. Oh, no. Everywhere you went, checked in at Clifton, checked in. Oh, it's, it makes for good stories. At least we don't have anything yeah. happened, well, thus far online that we totally regret. Um, I guess the entire summer I'm tagging myself from other people's photos. Um, so really? there is that. God, we didn't uh, grow up with social media. That must have been, yeah, how yeah. I think it's kids. No, exactly. And um, yeah, I would have been very ashamed with because uh, <laughs> just carefree and. Every photo was amazing, even despite what it was like. <laughs> and then what would you say? Yeah, I suppose I know we can go on for hours, but I'm yeah, it's really fascinating hearing your story. And from the outskirts, it's amazing to see how far you've come, how much you've grown. Um, I actually, uh, with our move from Cape Town to Porch, I did this order, your your like bulk order, get um, I think it's buy 10 and get two, three. It did not last more than two months in our household. <laughs> we the break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I also, to be fair, I also gifted it. My sister got, um, and then I gifted it to Ash, but mom, when she was down from the UK, um, and her husband had it, we get so annoyed when you like buy like wholesome, healthy food and it's a little bit more, more than an investment and it's a spoil for you and then you get home and like, Someone who doesn't care about what they're putting in their mouth just chucks the whole thing down. Yeah, <laughs> trashed it. Yeah. And then um, in the and then I also bought those extra little like chocolate nibs to add to like baking muffins and whatnot. And yeah. in the move, 
from seed point to year, obviously the granola didn't make it very far because we consumed that really quickly, but the nibs are missing. And I'm like, I, I, I had some and I'm like, where did the movers pack it? So I'm still on a mission in this house to find. <laughs> I think I must just send you some more. Before we move back to Cape Town and we discovered these nibs somewhere in the garage in a box. <laughs> that is our absolute favorite. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for the time today. Thanks for being so like honest and for sharing. And and I'm looking forward to yeah following your journey further. And the next time I'm in Cape Town, we definitely need to continue the conversation with the uh, one. <laughs> no, thank you. This, um, yeah, it is. I think we are really fortunate to share a space where we get to chat to like-minded people. Um, yeah, and to be inspired by amazing women around us. Thank you. Hey guys, it's me again. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please can you subscribe so that you are notified as soon as new episodes drop and share the stream podcast with your friends and family and co-workers who are just as inquisitive as you are about learning and improving their quality of life. And then lastly, if you want more mental health and business resources, inspo and podcast recommendations, just a reminder to subscribe to my monthly stream newsletter. No spam, just pure, positive value delivered straight to your inbox.